0: Monday everyone. Hope you all had a great weekend. Josh is back with Unbothered. Today I'll be talking about Patrick Mahomes getting a new contract, maybe not new but a revised contract, then preview tonight's Monday night games. We have a Monday night doubleheader tonight, two divisional matchups, Saints Panthers and Browns Steelers. I'm also going to get into this weekend's Action from both the NFL and college football, and another piece of college football news as well that I thought would happen when I talked to my podcast last week regarding Mel Tucker. Uh, Today they are, you know, officially uh, going through the process of firing him and terminating his contract. So I react to that. But let's get right into it, starting with Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes today received a restructured contract uh, three years ago. He signed at the time the highest, he became the highest paid player ever when he signed a 10-year, uh, $40, 450000000 million deal, which was an average of $45 million per year. But since then, there's been a lot of new money handed out. Russell Wilson got a new contract. Kyler Murray got a new contract. Dak Prescott got a new contract. Uh, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. So his number wasn't as high as some of those top guys. So his restructured contract gives him $210 million between 2023 and 2026, this four year span. And it is fully guaranteed as well. So they're not shortening the years or anything like that, but we'll still run through. 2030, uh, but they're just moving a lot of that money up to the front, and of course, when the time comes again, a few years down the road, they'll revisit it and extend him or make whatever move they have to make, but now he's going to average around $52.6 million over the next four seasons, which puts him in line with the Lamar Jackson, the Hurts, the Herberts, and the Burroughs. Uh, I think it's deserving when you look at Lamar Jackson's resume, Hurts, Herbert, and Burrow compared to Mahomes. Uh, None of them come close because none of those guys combined have one Super Bowl win. They've been to Super Bowls. Jalen Hurts and Joe Burrow have been to a couple uh, of Super Bowls combined, one each. But Patrick Mahomes has already been to three. He's won two. He's won two league MVPs. Lamar Jackson's just won one. Jalen Hurts was runner-up last year. I believe if he was healthy throughout the season, he would have won it. Now the other guys have great stats, but they just haven't won like Mahomes has. So I am fine with his contract. I think he deserves it. Uh, but what this also means is kind of what I talked about last week when Chris Jones came back. Uh, is I don't think Chris Jones will be coming back, you know, long term. I don't think he'll get a deal done next year. And with Mahomes' deal right now, and with what kind of light was shed on Chris Jones that they can't really franchise tag him. Looks like Chris Judis will be Chris Jones last year. Mahomes gets his money. Good for him. He deserves it. Uh, Congratulations uh, to him. But now let's talk about tonight's Monday night game. So I want to start off State Panthers in Carolina. Uh, Big Monday night game for both these teams. New Orleans is looking to stay with Atlanta, Tampa Bay, who are both, surprisingly, 2-0 in the division. And Carolina is looking to avoid going down 0-2 while everyone else is 2-0 in the division. And they kind of try to get there. So to me, it is a big game. It's kind of the first national NFL spotlight game for Bryce Young being on Monday night. It is in Carolina, so that means it's also... His home debut as well. Again, big divisional game. Right now, I just want to tell you guys, I'm picking the Saints to win this game. After watching both teams, I thought the Saints, last week, they had a really good defense. They were kind of able to bottle up Derrick Henry. Uh, They were also able to limit Ryan Tannehill, force three interceptions, which is very good. And the Panthers didn't look great. You know, I just saw the Packers this weekend in Atlanta score 24 points, looked pretty good. Carolina didn't look good. Bryce Young threw two interceptions. They couldn't get a run game going. So with that being said, uh, I think the Saints defense is a much stiffer test than the Falcons defense, at least early on in the year. Uh, Dennis Allen, defensive coach, I just think that – New Orleans is going to win this game playing sound football. Good defense. Frank Reich was talking about the need to find more explosive plays. I think when you start pushing a bit much, it's tough. Uh, Carolina also is having DJ Charts back. He's expected to play tonight. So having kind of some of your receivers back do help. But Chris Olave to me, looks like an up-and-coming emerging star wide receiver. For the Saints, the chemistry between him and Derek Carr have been really good. Panthers are without their best cover corner, J.C. Horn. Uh, so when you – I hear some of the injuries with the Panthers, uh they're not ready to go. I just think New Orleans, again, their offense, defense, it'll be too much for the Panthers. I have the Saints moving to 2-0. The Panthers dropping to 0-2. Next up, the Browns and the Steelers. Now this one, to me, it's a very tough pick being in Pittsburgh. I thought Pittsburgh was going to play a lot better than they did last week, and it was rather abysmal. Um, So, you know, when I see that, again, really thought they'd be more improved. And I know the 49ers have a great defense, but I thought they'd be able to put something together. And they just couldn't. And historically, uh, as instead of and especially recently, the Pittsburgh Steelers have really gotten the better of Cleveland, especially when it is in Cleveland. Um, you know, we, I know we split their past six meetings, but again, Pittsburgh is twenty-two and two against the Browns in Pittsburgh. You know, over the last twenty-four games including 21-1 and uh, during the regular season. Cleveland's last regular season win in Pittsburgh in the 2000 era came in 2003. Kenny Pickett was five years old. Mike Tomlin was 20. uh, I mean, he was so much, wasn't even the coach of his team. Now Mike Tomlin uh, is 25-6-1, so that makes it tough, especially considering the Browns also haven't started 2-0 since 1993. But they're the favorite today. I'm rolling with Cleveland. However, I don't like it considering history of, of this game, of this series, is really on Pittsburgh's side. But I did not like what I saw from Pittsburgh last week. I did not, again... I don't like rooting for Cleveland. I've been very adamant about that. Uh, Not a fan of Deshaun Watson and this Cleveland Browns team. However, I just think Cleveland's going to be able to get the run game going with Nick Chubb. And I think they'll be able to cruise through a victory. Hopefully, and I know this is selfish of me, hopefully it's not that case. Hopefully Pittsburgh dominates, uh, bottles up Nick Chubb because one of my fantasy leagues I cannot have Nick Chubb go off. And I need to win in that league. So that's very important. So I do have that bias going against me. Of course, it's tough. In another league, I do have Nick Chubb. And, you know, you have to kind of pick your battles. It's which league do I want to win this week. And there's one league I prefer to win. So we'll see. Now, as Gimmels, I expect uh, this game to be a lot better, a lot tighter than the Saints Panthers. I think Saints Panthers could get ugly, you know, just with the fact that Carolina facing that tough Saints defense, it could get rough. It will get rough. I expect Saints to cruise. I expect Cleveland to get the win. Next up. Let's talk some NFL weekend action. Brutal weekend for me. Brutal, brutal weekend. Officially, I've gone 7-7 for so far. Not good, especially considering the week one where I thought I did all right to hang in there at 10-6, and reverting to 7-7 and this week. It's not good. Now let's get started. There was a lot of close games, uh, and you land on the opposite side of some of them, and it looks better for you. Let's start with one of them, one close one. Green Bay Atlanta, that was a close game Uh, to me. If you're just a stat guy, again, I don't look at it through just stats, um, yards, rating, all that. But if you're looking purely by stats, Jordan Love, to me, again, just by stats, is one of the best quarterbacks playing one of the – I shouldn't say one of the best, but he's playing some of the best football at the quarterback position right now. He has the highest passer rating in the NFL at 118.8. Uh, very high QBR, 4th in QBR at 76.3. His completion percentage, uh, tad low for me at 55.8, but 6 touchdowns to 0 interceptions. That's a great touchdown-interception ratio, also throwing for 200 yards per game. Not asked to do a ton, but he's not turning a ball over. He's not making crucial mistakes. Jordan Love is playing really good. So this weekend, again, he was without... Christian Watson and Aaron Jones. So I said on my podcast, I said, if they don't both don't play pick Atlanta, I kind of want against a pick and I just kept Green Bay at the beginning and I said, I'll just stick with it. And Green Bay played really well. Uh, they had the lead 24 to 12 going into the fourth quarter and they kind of gave it up in the end there. Desmond Ritter got a touchdown. Uh, Falcons two field goals uh, to make it 25-24. and in the fourth quarter, uh, they couldn't do much. Uh, the Packers had two straight uh, three and outs, while the Falcons had you know you know drives to kick, to get a touchdown, a five minute drive to get a touchdown, three minutes to get a field goal, five minutes to get a field goal, and then uh, Green Bay. Went four and out. so a three and out, three and out, four and out to go in the fourth quarter. It's not great, but Green Bay has surprised me as a good team, but that's one villain either way. You know, that game didn't go my way, uh, but I think Jordan Love is a good quarterback. I can already say he's better than Justin Fields in the division, uh, and it looks like, hey, maybe the Packers won't be the worst team in the division this year because they also weren't able to establish a run game with A.J. Dillon. And Jordan Love didn't have a ton of trust in his receivers, or maybe what he got from Aaron Rodgers. Whereas the Falcons, Bijan Robinson looks fantastic. Looked like offensive rookie of the year material. Uh, he is great. Uh, 19 carries yesterday, 124 yards. Uh, the way he's able to shift, uh, juke people out, the cuts that he makes, it's brilliant. It's great football. Atlanta deserved the win. It was a great game, 25-24 down to the end. Uh, good for the Falcons on getting this you know, hard-fought win. Las Vegas and Buffalo. Uh, this one was a steamroll. I predicted Buffalo to win big. I started Josh Allen. I told everyone Josh Allen is having, having a good week. said that last week, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, Josh Allen was fantastic. This is the bounce back game he needed when everyone was really going off on how bad he played last week, and I agree. He did play bad, but I said, hey, he's going to have a bounce week. Uh, This isn't a guy who stays in his slump week after week and continually looks bad and distraught. He gets back on the horse and he throws the football. He was 31 for 37, 274 yards and three touchdowns. I thought he was great. They were able to run the ball effectively with James Cook. Gabe Davis was involved. Uh, two Stephon Diggs uh, got his. So it was just a well, uh, well-rounded effort. Group win uh, by Buffalo. Great defense. This is kind of a momentum they need as they face, I think, a stiff Commanders test next week in Washington, who are two and zero. Uh, don't take them lightly. I think that's going to be a great game. Next, Baltimore and Cincinnati. This is another one that was close. I said Cincinnati start starting 0-2. And they do. Oh, they do. Uh, back-to-back years, Bengals start 0-2. So, you know, I don't know what's going on with Joe Burrow in this offense. Let me tell you, it did look... Light years better than it did last week. But you can't get any worse than last week when he only threw for 82 yards. They still haven't looked sharp. Look like they're on the same page at all. Lamar Jackson outplayed Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Uh, Gus Edwards outplayed Joe Mixon. Uh, The receiving core I thought outplayed Cincinnati, but defense was better. I don't know what it is um, right now with this Bengals team. But they need to get it fixed. Then it came out today that Joe Burrow kind of reaggravated his calf uh, injury yesterday. They're unsure if he's going to play Monday. But if he doesn't play Monday, that is a huge deal for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, because, uh, foreshadow alert, they play the Rams Monday night, next Monday. And the Rams look a lot better. Than last year, and if Joe Burrow isn't playing against the Rams, I expect the Bengals to start 0 and 3. Now 0 and 2, it's a different hole they proved last year. You can go 13 and 4 and lose your first two games, but starting 0 and 3, that takes on different meaning when you still have to play the Niners, the Bills, the Ravens again, and the Chiefs. So 0-3, not ideal this year. But the Ravens look good. Not great. I'm still not sold on them. Uh, but they are 2-0. Uh, big test out of the way. Now they play the Colts next week. No Anthony Richardson. Uh, but I'm much uh, much more worried about the Bengals than I thought I would be just right now solely focused on the Joe Burrow injury. I will update Arrest when I have when we have more information. But right now, extremely worried about the Bengals. My panic meter on a scale of zero to ten is at an eight, which is the highest it's been in since in a long, long couple of years. But again, another close game that didn't go my way twenty seven twenty four. Couldn't get the ball back to the end defense. I couldn't make the stop um, there, and the Ravens were able to have a you know seven play four minute drive to ice it. Next, another close heartbreak. Seattle and Detroit. Uh, now this one's tough again. Being a Detroit Lion fan, this one this one was tough to lose, 37-31. It was an overtime. That makes it extremely more difficult when you lose a coin toss and you don't get a chance to score because the Seahawks march down the field and get a touchdown. But when you look at the game itself, and I'm going to look at it, objectively, I will. I'll look at it objectively, uh, for the Lions. What they didn't do, uh, they couldn't expose the Seahawks offensive line. Two fresh starting tackles, not you know, not their usual starters, backup tackles. And the Detroit pass rush, which looked good last week. Uh Aidan Hutchinson was on Mahomes uh constantly harassing him, wasn't able to really get Geno Smith, the way we were able to get Patrick Mahomes, which is crazy to think about that the Chiefs would be a tougher test, but Detroit couldn't get them. Then they also made, I thought, a couple of not uh, wise decisions. Uh, one of them was, you know, and I talked about it with momentum. A game 7-7, seven, seven, it's their second offensive drive. They just, you know, they Seahawks and Lions exchange touchdowns. You held Seahawks. You know, they punted. You have the ball. You're driving down the field. It's third and one at the Seattle 28. So what do you do? Your running game's been decent. You decide to run it up the middle with David Montgomery. He gets stuffed and he loses three yards. So it's fourth and four. If that play happens and it gets blown up, the momentum is no longer on the Lions' side for the next play. So if I'm Dan Campbell on the Lions' I'm kicking the field goal because I am in field goal range, and I just want to get the points. You know, to me, that's a smart move to make. Instead of trying to get the points, the field goal, they uh, do a pass to Sam Laporta. Great coverage, and you get no points out of it. You get no points out of it. You give them momentum. It's right back to Seattle. They march down the field. Thankfully, they miss the field goal. Lions get the touchdown, um, and then uh, you're up 14-7. You force them to punt, then you go your own three and out, and then they miss another field goal. So two missed field goals go your way in the first half, uh, and then you fumble the ball on the last play of the court of the half, and you're only up 14-7, and it feels like you can at least be up more than that, you can at least be up seventeen to seven. It can be a two possession game, uh, which I thought would have been um, would have been crucial. Then Detroit goes for it again on fourth down. Now they got it once, but another time was at their own forty five. I don't like that because it, it being at your own forty five. I get it if you're. On the opponent's 45, I get that thinking because it's 4th and 2. But being it's your own 45, I don't like it. So what happens? They get stuffed. The Seahawks only have to go 45 yards for a touchdown. Of course they do. They're up 24-21. So I don't like those um, right there because, you know, that's a big swing of points that you don't get. The other thing with the turnover, so – Omanra had a fumble, really didn't matter. Uh David Montgomery, though, had a big fumble to open up the second ha- second half. Uh, then ensuing drive, two plays, 23 yards for a Seahawks touchdown. That was big. Jared Goff threw a pick six, broke the third longest streak in NFL history. So Lions did make critical mistakes. Uh, however, last play of the game when the Seahawks scored a touchdown on a Tyler Lockett touchdown when it's third and two, there was a holding on Aiden Hutchinson that wasn't called a blatant where blatant hold where he kind of does the grab, the uh, you know, neck area and the little choke hold. the offensive lineman. Doesn't get called, that would have made it a third and 12. Uh, who knows if they would have converted because uh, they would have at least had to get to the Detroit three to get a first down. It would have been close, uh, but if they don't, then Detroit gets the ball back with a chance of tying the game and ending in tie, or just outright winning it. So to me, I thought you know that stings as well. Uh, this was a game they could have easily won. Um, then to me, they just made too many mistakes. Um, couldn't get past uh, get to the quarterback. Uh, it was a sad loss considering the height, the fans. And just kind of going out like that, I do think Dan Campbell and I are a great coach. But to me, in certain games, especially on certain plays as well, you know, hey, is this the time to go for it on fourth down or is this the time not to? I thought twice yesterday uh, it was not the time to go for it. Of course, uh, you look back in hindsight, you know, those plays happen. You're like, oh, that's good. by, I especially thought the field goal one, uh, I'm all for taking points. If I know the kicker's got the leg from 47, I'm going to kick the field goal because I value points, and that's probably where I'm a little more conservative than Dan Campbell because I'll take points I'll take up being up by two possessions because then that field goal to uh, tie the game at the end is actually to win the game. Changes the whole complexity of the game, complexion of the game. Another close one I lost. Chargers and Titans. I picked the Chargers. Titans won 27-24 in overtime. Now, I'm not going to go through, you know, the nitty-gritty of this game. Justin Herbert was fantastic, outplayed Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Without Austin Eckler, the Chargers could not get the run game going at all. And defensively, the Chargers can't stop anybody. Couldn't stop Ryan Tannehill um, yesterday after the Saints made him look pedestrian. And to me, it's, lost. it's clearly on Brandon Staley. And it's kind of getting old at this point. I've been on the fire Brandon Staley train um, a lot last year. I really didn't think he was a coach. And then after they blew that game against Jacksonville in the wild card round, I said, if I'm the owner, I'm stripping away all his access to the facility. He's not even coming in the building the next day. And he is just a terrible coach. He should be fired immediately. Now, I'm not really for firing coaches, uh, you know, and calling for him to be fired, but Brandon Staley has got to go. He is atrocious. He is an abomination. He is a stunt in Justin Herbert's growth and this team's growth. He is that bad. When I look at the line of coaches and I just look at the standings, He is the worst coach. Now, you might disagree with me, but when I'm thinking about the team that is currently constructed, he is the worst coach considering the talent that they have. Brandon Staley is awful. I just think of his name and I get frustrated because he doesn't know how to do his job. He just doesn't. He may think like he knows how to coach, but he doesn't know how to coach. He's terrible. You have Mike McDaniel on this Chargers team. What are they right now? They're 2-0. and They have Robert Sala on this Chargers team right now. What are they? 2-0. They have Sean McDermott. What are they? 2-0. Bill Belichick, 2-0. John Harbaugh, 2-0. Kevin Stefanski, 2-0. Mike Tomlin, 2-0. Zach Taylor, 2-0. Uh, Doug Peterson, 2-0. Shane Steichen, 2-0. Mike Vrabel 2-0 maybe not D'Amico Ryans, uh, new coach, uh, Josh McDaniels, 2-0, Sean Payton, 2-0, Andy Reid, 2-0. So basically, the whole AFC is a better coaching group than Brandon Staley. Uh, again, D'Amico Ryans, it's only a second game in Houston. So Brandon Staley, if you're talking about coaches full season, he is the worst coach in the AFC. No question about it. It's unquestionable. He is that porous. And let's just roll through the NFC real quick. McCarthy better. Uh, Nick Sirianni better. Uh, Brian Dable better. Um, Ron Rivera better. Mike, Matt LaFleur better. Dan Campbell better. O'Connell better. Maybe not Mike Bufloos from the Browns. Uh, he's basically the Brandon Steely of the NFC. Uh, Arthur Smith, I think, is better. Uh Dennis Allen, Frank Reich, um, Todd Bowles, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Pete Carroll, maybe not Jonathan uh, Gannon for Arizona, but again, only two games in, so I can't really credit him. So Brandon Staley is one of the worst coaches. He is trash at his job, and I know it's hard for some people to be told that bluntly that they're that bad at their job, but when you tiptoe around it so much, you just got to throw it out there. Maybe it's the coach. When you change the offensive coordinator and the offense can still put up points and you change certain players, you get better players, and you're still suspect and you're the only piece still around, it's you. It's you. And, again, a reporter asked Brandon Staley if maybe it's something to do with that. Jacksonville lost from last year. Uh, he kind of got heated. I don't think it is. I used to think he can't coach. The brother can't coach. And there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you're just better as a coordinator. Some guys are. Because Brandon Staley is terrible. I don't want to have to be on this rant all the time, but he's bad news. Bad news, Brandon. That's his nickname now. Officially coined it here. You heard it first on Unbothered. Bad news, Brandon Staley should be fired from coaching in the NFL, specifically the Los Angeles Chargers. Chicago-Tampa Bay next. Chicago. Uh, I picked Tampa Bay to win this one. They did. Uh, again, better coach. Evo Fluce of Chicago is terrible. Uh, Justin Fields is clearly regressing. Can't see wide open receivers. Can't read a defense. Uh Pick six on a screenplay to kind of end the game there. He was not good at all. Not crisp. Uh, Give me uh, Baker Mayfield over Justin Fields right now. Never thought I'd say that, but uh, Justin Fields is regressing with that coach. They got to get that guy out of there too. Or you're punting on both fields and the coach, and you're totally restarting. Kansas City and Jacksonville. I thought Jacksonville would get the win here, but Jacksonville had a tough time uh, offensively in this game. Uh, didn't score a touchdown. Uh, a lot of punts in this game. Uh, fumbles as well. Just really um, sloppy play. Had a tough time, you know, getting into uh, territory for Kansas City. You know, I thought, you know, when Jacksonville, you know, had the ball uh, and they turned it over on downs at the Kansas City 16, it was fourth and goal uh, from the Kansas City 16. I'm not running a fourth and goal from a 16. There's 4.23 left. I'm kicking the field goal. I'm trusting my defense because then you put a lot of pressure on Kansas City. They called differently than what they had to do. When it's 17-9 because then Jacksonville just needs a touchdown. You don't got to worry about the extra point. None of that. You just give a touchdown and win. So they didn't play great offensively. Chiefs still don't look great offensively, though. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, yes, had two touchdowns with the one interception. Uh, they're still not on the same page offensively as I thought they'd be or what they're usually at this time of year already in September. Indianapolis-Houston. I said Indianapolis is not a win. Uh, Anthony Richardson started off the game on fire, played great, like I thought he was capable of doing. He goes down, uh, reports into concussion protocol, ruled out. Gardner Minshew comes in, and they still don't miss a beat. Uh, only four incompletions from him, a touchdown, they go on, get the win. Again, Houston doesn't look great defensively. 49ers and Rams. I thought the Rams would... Pick up their eighth or ninth win, whatever it is, against the Rams in a regular season. They did. Uh, Matthew Stafford's two interceptions proved really costly. But what I did learn from this win is it looks like Sean McVay is rejuvenated. Last year, the year after the Super Bowl, they truly did have a Super Bowl hangover. For some teams, it's not really the case, but for the Rams. It was the case for sure. They did not look like the same team in any facet of the game. Uh, not just players, but coaching as well. The Rams look like a much better coached uh, football team. Uh, again, Sean McDay I think, is doing a great job of squeezing uh, you know, the last bit of juice out of this lemon. And I think when Cooper Cups comes back, uh, again, that'll just make this offense even better. Then again, we might be saying, "Hey, watch out with this team." The Giants and the Cardinals, Talk about the two worst teams in like the in the loser bowl. This was your if you are a fan of the Giants or Cardinals, this was your loser Super Bowl yesterday. The Cardinals were up twenty to zero going into halftime. I thought, "Wow, I can't believe the Giants are that bad." Haven't scored an offensive point all year long. Six quarters, nothing. They finally get a touchdown to start the third quarter. Cardinals answer, it's 28-7. I thought, okay, this game's over. Then Giants score on four consecutive possessions. Uh, Touchdown, 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 game-winning field goal. Congratulations to the Giants for beating the Cardinals. I thought the Cardinals were actually going to win this game, uh, but they couldn't hold on because they can't tank properly, or they want to tank, so they did that. Uh, But the bigger news out of this game Saquon got injured, big deal because he is going to be out uh, for the news came in today at least three weeks with an ankle sprain. Now this has usually been the case with Saquon uh, ankle sprains and being sidelined uh, for you know specific amounts of time. It's also not good because the next three games, 49ers, Seahawks, and Dolphins. Those will be three L's, and this team will be one and four and officially eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. Jets-Dallas. Again, thought Dallas was going to win against the Jets team without Aaron Rodgers. That was easily the case. Zach Wilson threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter alone. They weren't going to win this game. As they were down by 14 going into the fourth quarter, it didn't help at all. But, again, not expecting a lot from the Jets moving forward with Zach Wilson, at quarterback. Next, Washington, Denver. Now, this game, to me, it might have been the most entertaining of the day. Uh, Back and forth game, Denver, early command of this uh, team, 21-3. I thought, hey, this is Sean Payton. This is Russell Wilson. Things are clicking. Then all of a sudden, defense doesn't know how to stop the Broncos uh, or the, my bad, the Commanders. And then it's 21-21, next thing you know, of third quarter. Uh, And then it's 35-24 Commanders in the fourth quarter. And I thought, well, the Commanders are on this game. They flip the script on the Broncos. But the Broncos come back get the field goal, and they get a Hail Mary to end the game. So it's 35-33. They need a two-point conversion to tie. They don't get the two-point conversion. Now imagine your team getting the Hail Mary, and they can't even complete it. Uh, Again, there was pass interference on Cortland-Sutton. I will say that, but this team has bigger issues. They can't get a running game going, when oh, Russell Wilson's your best, uh, is your top rusher, that is a problem. Uh, the other thing I don't like is the inconsistency of Russell Wilson. I still see inconsistencies there. He's not the quarterback he once was. That's why this team is 0-2. Commanders are surprisingly 2-0. Now, to me, another similar outcome, which was the Sunday night game, Miami and New England. Uh, New England, New uh, England, didn't look sharp to begin with. They're down 17 3 at half. Things are going the Dolphins' way, but New England can make second half adjustments, halftime adjustments, get back in the second half, play better, and they did. Um, however, Mac Jones made, I thought, a bad interception um, as well. A uh, couple of, you know, costly three and outs where the team just looked bad. Um, and. You know, you go into the final drive. They're trying to come back because Miami missed a field goal 24-17. The Patriots have a great lateral to an offensive lineman on fourth down. It appears to be a first down. That's a call on the field. They review it, and it gets reversed. And to me, that's, to me, the most anticlimactic ending uh, to have a team driving. They pull off this great, crazy play, and then it's reviewed, and... It's ruled short after it was called first down on the field. That's very deflating. I don't like that. Uh, Miami, to me, I still want to see more of them. I'm not thoroughly convinced. Maybe I'll be more convinced in two weeks when they play the Bills, Um, but they do have a tough schedule here coming up. We'll see. Uh, But right now, Dolphins are set a nice, best team in the division. Uh, We'll see how it goes from there. So this has been Unbothered tonight, two Monday night games. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.